Hey, it's Alana. And Jacqueline. And welcome to another installation of Black and Yellow. Hi, guys. Welcome. In this episode, we are going to be talking about Asian females in entertainment industry. Right. No, no, no. We're not talking about Hollywood's habit of casting white actors to tell Asian stories. They have such a habit of doing that. They sure do. But instead, the stereotypes. Specifically. Women in media, in in Hollywood media, I guess you could say. Which are super old, but still somehow seem to persist. Continuously, I I agree. I think, I mean, I mean, I, it's more magnified for me growing up than ever before because I'm an Asian female and I am an actor. (laughs) So I fall into that category more than, you know, more than that like spot on right so it is it is a problem and i think more than ever in today's world there is a conversation about it i think uh fresh off the boat is a great example of that i think constance Wu is a great voice mm-hmm. for a perfect current asian american strong female character who has opinions and is not afraid to say them. Definitely. Lucy Liu would fully fall into that category as well, though Mm -hmm. she has gotten a lot of heat for embodying uh, quite a few of these stereotypes that we're going to be talking about. But the question then becomes, if you are an actor of color, Asian actress in this episode specifically, and you have a passion and a drive to tell amazing stories and embody rich characters... How does it feel to only be uh, be able to play certain roles? The expectation being, oh, maybe you're a dragon lady or you're a kung fu master. Maybe you're the consummate funny foreigner. Like how or you're a nerd that? or oh, and and I get that these are stereotypes mm-hmm. and that once they started uh, putting these specific stereotypes specifically just for Asians. Mm-hmm. And once that became exploited and once that just became sort of set in stone, you know, like no other person could ever be Dragon Lady. Right. Right. It's got to be an Asian woman. It's got to be an Asian woman. No person could be that nerd or no one does it better than the Asian person and and so on and so forth. And I think over time, a lot of Asians got tired of that and are tired of that till today. Definitely. It's a problem. Yeah. And even that name, Dragon Lady. Right. Why, why does she have to be a dragon lady? Right. Why can't she just be an asshole? <laughs> exactly. Sorry, sorry. So we're going to get into some of these stereotypes. We're going to see why they still persist. And, uh, you know, there are some people out there trying to overturn these stereotypes. So we're going to talk about how you can also not feed into these stereotypes as Correct. well. So without further ado, let's get into the first one that we sort of just touched on, which is the dragon lady. Ooh, Ooh scary. <laughs> if you aren't familiar with what uh, this trope is, she is generally a physically attractive yet domineering and deceitful woman who cannot be trusted. Cannot trust that bitch. Can't cannot. Trust, <laughs> trust those dragon bitches. Um, and while we're laughing, we're sort of laughing to keep from crying. Right. I think this is one of the 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 biggest stereotypes that still persists for Asian women. Mm -hmm. We have Lucy Liu, who has gotten a ton of heat, as I said a bit earlier, for embodying the stereotype. Uh, She was Ling Wu in Ally McBeal. She was O-Ren Ishii in Kill Bill. My goodness, I love that movie. I hate 
talking smack about actors in movies that I love. She was Pearl in Payback. And she seems to get a lot of heat for embodying this deceitful, beautiful woman. Sometimes she knows Kung Fu. Sometimes she doesn't. It's something that she seems to to not be able to get away from until recently with her uh, turn uh, as playing Joan Watson in the the television show Elementary. Which she's been... I'm really grateful that she's sort of found this sort of pull away from that stereotype and definitely she feel i'm sure very creative very empowered i know she's directed a lot of episodes sure. and started them and i'm she's coming to a different part of her life with her son and everything so i think it's great right however being that being said she had to go through all of that mm-hmm. and i i don't i don't think that that is something every asian american female actor has to go through in today's world no i get that you know how when she was coming up she was the only asian actress that was booking roles and and was the face sort of for every asian actor female out there actress yeah and she had to she had to take what she could get right Right. absolutely and again like she's an she's an asian woman she has a passion she wanted to break her way into hollywood she definitely did and uh, she notes that her race plays a big role in her casting. She's not Asian enough or she's not American enough. So it's this weird bind. And uh, she has said in interviews, uh, I have one here from exojane.com where she says, quote, I wish people wouldn't just see me as the Asian girl who beats everyone up or the Asian girl with no emotion. People see Julia Roberts or Sandra Bullock in a romantic comedy, but not me. Yeah. It's, and I would love to see her in a romantic comedy. I would be too. great. I think she's beautiful and has so many colors to her acting. Yeah. And like race obviously has a big impact on the roles that she takes. And she goes on to say it becomes, well, she's too Asian or she's too American. I kind of got pushed out of both categories. It's a very strange place to be. You're not Asian enough and then you're not American enough. So it gets really frustrating. That must be very frustrating. And it's not that. I mean, I know she was born in Queens, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. And she speaks fluent Mandarin, I'm assuming. And is and I think maybe a a couple other languages. But it's just it's really sad that 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 has to be even become a thing because of what she looks like. Right. Exactly. Right. But before there was Lucy Liu, there was anime Wong, who is a Fascinating, fascinating character. Anime Wong, uh, she did over 60 films throughout the 20s all the way to the 50s before she died in the 60s. And she was quoted as being the first Chinese-American actress to really break on an international level. And Anime Wong, uh, she's had a very long career, a very long history in front of the camera, on stage, on radio. But she left the United States Uh, in the 30s because she was tired of being typecast. So she told the LA Times in 1933, I was so tired of the parts I had to play. Why is it that the screen Chinese is nearly always the villain of the piece? And so cruel, a villain, murderous, treacherous, a snake in the grass. We are not like that. We have our own virtues. We have a rigid code of behavior, of honor. Why do we never show these on screen? Why should we always have a scheme, rob or kill? Mm, that's lovely. Which, if you think about it, if you listen to our model minority episode, 
the way that we perceive Asians, Asian women, are docile, calm, yeah, but very virtuous, but yet on screen, they're portrayed as something completely different. Right. Almost like a hidden agenda. Right. You know, she'll stab your back when you're not looking. Right. Dragon lady. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I, where the stereotype came from, I, I was not able to find good uh, literature to back this stereotype up other than the fact that it just still persists to this day. Yeah, it really does. And I think what we really have to question is that you do have a lot of these Western filmmakers, mm-hmm. not necessarily has to be white, but it's their take on what this Asian person, how this patient isn't perceived. And then let's put them into this world we've made up where they would make sense. And I'm glad you hit on that because I think that that actually touches on a bigger issue, which is in order to tell authentic stories with nuanced Asian female characters, we need more Asian females behind the scenes. Yes. We need more Asian female writers. We need more Asian female directors, producers, showrunners. Absolutely. Because through that, as we've seen with African-American actresses, when you have women of color telling stories about people of color, the narrative changes. But when you have white women or white men telling these stories of what they perceive Asian men or women to be, you're going to get the one-dimensional, flimsy view of what Asian people are. Yes, I totally agree. And it won't be as authentic because they don't know, you know, right. they, they aren't Asian or they've never lived in China or they don't know the stories or the types that they should. And also too, in the end, you know, what's going to sell? What names attached to that list is going to sell? What's going to get re- greenlit? What studio is going to like this because of who's attached, so on and so forth. And then it becomes right. more about not even so much about talent or race, but about who's going to bring in, who's going to make us the most money. And that mm-hmm. is a whole other issue we could tackle, but that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. It you makes know? you question whether or not these box offices have faith in, in yes. Asian filmmakers, but right. also in Asian audiences. Yeah. And you see sometimes the studios that take risks mm-hmm. on something that may not, may have a lower budget, may not be as, you know, guaranteed to bring in the bucks. And sometimes those are the movies that are the biggest success. And then you get a huge, you know, studio flop with A-listers attached to it. And it... We're talking to you, Scar Joe and Ghost in the Shell. Oh, gosh. That's a whole nother episode. Just just go to the show. Sorry, side note. I cut you off. But like, it's I okay. just had to make that. You I didn't. Before. I haven't watched it. And I don't think I ever will. I I'll stick to the anime. Either. That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think that you're right. And I think going back to Lucy Liu for a second, when she was cast on Elementary as Joan Watson, it wasn't the studio that had an issue with her casting. It was actually the fan base. Yeah, like how could she? Like, yeah. she could never play that. Like, why would you cast an Asian right. American woman next to a white man who plays Sherlock Holmes? Right. That'll never work. And um, it's a hit. It's a hit. It's still on. What, six still, seasons? Yeah, something, something like, like that? that. So I think that we have to change our perceptions of what... Right, because here's the thing. You can't... You'll never be able to control the studios and their decisions they make and who's in charge, right? Because they'll always be there and either they'll get replaced. Mm -hmm. But what you can control is I, I can start writing. I can start directing. I can start making my own shorts Mm -hmm. with a whole cast of Asians playing anybody and anything, not necessarily 
and do the opposite. Maybe, right. you know, cast a Latino that's going to be this super nerd and techie and IT. And, and I know a ton of smart Latinos. Right. And so I think it is. It's about empowering ourselves and understanding that the stereotypes are out there and are being exploited and maybe they won't go away anytime soon, but that we have the power and that we need to start changing, changing that for ourselves. Yeah. Just because the stereotype is out there and exists doesn't mean you have to buy into it. And I think that one of the hardest things as human beings to do is to really have that moment of self-reflection and go, mm-hmm. am I believing the stereotype that's been fed to me for decades in movies right. and television? And for some people that can be a super difficult, super scary question to ask yourself. But if that is you, if you're having a hard time finding a, a healthy and honest answer for yourself, question where that's coming from within you. Whew, okay. All right, now on to I the next we, one. I have exhausted the dragon lady. <laughs> exhausted the dragon lady. We're going to move on to another one. Um, Jackie, I've never seen you do martial arts. Can you? Uh, that's not my forte. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, you're a bad Asian then, aren't you? How dare I? Because so many uh, kung fu fighters and jujitsu masters and karate masters show up in films. Uh, the kung fu master is a very, very common trope. Probably the oldest. Or, yes. You know, starting from way, 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 way back. But it's it's definitely something that people, when they think of kung fu, they think of, obviously, it originated from there. But the fact that if someone is going to play that role, he's going to be Asian. No or she's going to be she, Asian. I mean, she's going to be Asian. She ha- <laughs> or she has to be Asian. Or if she doesn't know this, then, you know, if she doesn't know Kung Fu, then we don't want her or something like that. Yeah, I think in our Western world, because there's a belief that because uh, karate, jiu-jitsu, Kung Fu, all are very prevalent sports, for- sports forms in Asian countries, then we just assume in our Western culture that every Asian person must be good at them or at least have a handle on how to do that skill. Yeah. Which then extends to Asian actors. Like, do you ever feel like you walk into an audition and there's an expectation that you have to know Kung Fu? I've definitely been asked. Really? Uh, yeah. By a lot of, and even with my agents and managers, just, you know, that being something that I should have on my resume. Um, I've been sent out for certain roles that n- require like a certain level of skill, whether it's beginner, intermediate, or advanced. So it's still very out there. Uh, and, and it's something that I think they're con- – I don't know if that one's going to go away anytime soon. Maybe the other ones we'll talk about that I feel like are – but for sure the Kung Fu one I think is going to stay for a while. Oh, my and, mind is blown. I have yeah. never been asked in an audition – but you're also black. So. Totally true. I've been asked <laughs> if I could run and like, I hate to feed into a, a stereotype, but I love running. My runner's heart take, high takes over, but whoa. Yeah. And, and, and for these auditions, like was Kung Fu part of your character or yeah. was it just something that they wanted you to no, know? Absolutely. It's written in the sides. She does some moves. She does this or she pulls her sword out, whatever, so on and so forth. Yeah. It's written on there. I don't, I honestly don't think that one's going to go away anytime soon. I, I recognize that it's a problem, especially if we want to talk about this later about the Asian men, but I think it's something that also, it's not necessarily like, I don't, I don't see it as too much of a negative. I only see it as if it's like, they're not going to cast you because of that. Okay. You know, I think that is a big problem. Okay. That your talent could be on par. You could be perfect for that role. Everything. But just because you don't know Kung Fu, they're not going to hire you. 
Okay. Which I also get that if there's a lot of scenes where you are fighting, they're not going to hire a stunt woman. Just, you know, that's extra budget on their end to right. have to do that. Why don't they, they're not going to hire an actor that does it all. True. So I, I, if you can, I would suggest all Asians to learn a little bit. Um, but <laughs> only for the sake of you being prepared and, and you possibly getting more jobs. But it is an issue if, let's say, you aren't built or you really have no interest in Kung Fu. What if you're just, you know, you have a small frame and you're just not, you know, very athletic and you don't want to, you know, and you, everywhere you go, your reps are going to say, hey, do you know Kung Fu? And if that's something that really isn't true for you and something that you want to do, then don't do it. You hmm. know, don't try yeah. to go and do something that might take you years and, you know, the amount of money you're going to spend on taking these classes. You know, it just. Right. I just don't think, and I'm sure there are some Asian actor, actors out there that are saying, you know, oh, I should, or maybe, you know, I need to do this, and it's not their forte. They should be focusing on something that is their strength. True. And and I do think this particular uh, stereotype applies more to men than it does women, Absolutely. though. Absolutely. We have seen Lucy Liu kick some serious butt in yes. Charlie's Angels. Who didn't love that franchise? Um, but it was Bruce Lee in Enter the Dragon in 1973 who really broke through to an American audience and put himself slash kung fu on the map. He also inspired, I think, not just Asians in general, but so, so many people. And so I think that's a big one where when people think of Kung Fu, they think of Bruce Lee and he's Asian. And mm-hmm. and Jackie Chan. Right. Jet Lee, you yeah. know, and so much is inspired from him and what he did and what he's capable of in his story. I don't think that that's going to be something that's going to be knocked down anytime soon. Right. And... And I may not necessarily be good or bad, I mean, over time, but I mean, it's just what it is, especially on that one, you know? I think the problem with this stereotype for me is that we don't see a lot of Asian actors, male or female, in leading roles, unless they are the lead in a kung fu movie or just an action film. Sure. I'm citing someone like um, Jackie Chan in the Rush Hour franchise, who obviously it's him and Chris Tucker. But again, he's if he's not doing kung fu, then he's the funny form. He can't just be like a normal dude. Right. Right. Exactly. I, that, so that's what you have a problem with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, we're not necessarily always casted as just a norm, like, a like, hey, she's a human being, you know, like she's just she works at the office. There's got to be something else behind it, you know. Right. Which I think is a great problem. Like, why can't Asian actors and actresses just exist? Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. I think as an, a, an African-American actress, we're getting there. Right. But we're still fighting that same fight of just yes. existing. But even in, you know, in media, Latinos and, and black black people are you guys have way more representation than Asians it is we are the least represented in media and then on top of that Asian men still being least represented and I also think that we can look at the model minority myth that we've already covered and maybe link those two the idea that you I remember you saying in that in that particular episode like you wanting to branch off and and go be a creative type you wanted to go be an actress was shunned yeah, in okay. your household. And I'm sure that that I'm sure that many people could echo that same sentiment. So really? I wonder if the lack of representation in front of or behind the screen or affects. in writers rooms or whatever affects the representation on screen. Yeah, that's I mean, I remember growing up and being like, 
oh, I love all these actresses and I love all these movies. And not ever. I mean, just for me growing up, the only person that I really could look up to kind of not that I even was really exposed to a lot of her stuff was Lucy Liu, Mm -hmm. you know, and like she said in her quote, she was now I never really saw her in a role that was very Asian. You know, it was very definitely more Americanized at the time. I have Lucky Number Seven. If you've never seen it, go watch it. It's with Josh Hartnett. It's a great film. But that's the one movie that comes to mind where I remember seeing her and going, okay, this isn't her being a, a Chinese woman is not a plot point. I see what you mean. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like she, to me in that movie, was just existing in this relationship okay. with Josh Hartnett. I see. I'm sure there are a couple of other movies that she has done where she's yeah. just existing, but that's the one that comes to mind also because it's a kick-ass movie. Right. So, and if you haven't seen it, go watch it because it's awesome. I went to, a couple months back, I went to this, um, so I'm Taiwanese. Mm-hmm. I remember covering that. But I went to the first American Taiwanese film festival in Los Angeles. Oh. And that was awesome. It was all authentic Taiwanese Americans, so Asian Americans, um, producing creating directing writing shorts and Mm -hmm. all the casts were Taiwanese or at least some form of Asian American and one um what's I think it's Kevin Huang he's the he's in Master of None he plays kind of Aziz's um good friend yes yeah I think yeah he he said something so profound which was we don't have anyone to look back on as Asian Americans you guys have you know, uh, Sydney Poitier yeah. or so on. You know, you have uh, you we have, have playwrights. You yeah. have you have these people to look up and say, "Wow, they did it. They paved the way. They made it." We don't have it. Anyone? I mean, in the kung fu world, yeah, Bruce Lee, awesome, great. But mm-hmm. as a general Asian American population in pursuing this career as an actor, we don't have anybody. Yeah. And that is a problem. It's also, I mean, there's freedom in that where it's like we get to pave the way in this generation. I think they're doing it. Mm-hmm. It's going to take time. But we really, and when he said that, I remember sitting in the audience and being like. It hit you. It hit me. And I was, I remember like rolling my eyes back and thinking he's apps. I've never thought about that. But it's something I've always felt and not known how to voice it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I can't, I mean, I don't look up. I mean, no Asian actresses I can really look up to unless, you know, maybe more like Hong Kong actresses in China. But as far as being Asian American, I have zero. I have none. Yeah, I'm, and I'm sitting here trying to think of like a good example of like who could have been a role model for you at that time growing up. Nobody. And I, no one's really coming to mind. Yeah. To take it out of the TV film uh, sect for a second, right. I was watching Huang's World and Eddie Huang yeah. said something very similar about growing up in the US and like seeing a lot of white culture and seeing a lot of black culture, but not seeing himself reflected. Yeah in a way that he could relate to. And so he essentially, uh, created his own, he right? He created his own. Yeah. yeah. He used hip hop. And he does, and he, culture and he does get a lot of heat for it too, but you, he had to go somewhere, right? He's right. influenced by a lot of these cultures and now he is who he is today. And he's great. Definitely. You know? Eddie Huang, feel free to be a friend of this show. Right. And come and come chat on over. With us. We would love to have you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, we can move on from that. That We could tackle that on later. I just, I had to say that. So just, just to finish this up, um, what you were saying about feeling the need to have to know some sort of martial art that was, that's also echoed by Tisha Chang. See, she's the director of the Pan Asian Repertory Theater in New York. And she talks about how it seems as though there's almost an expectation that Asian American actresses should know some sort of martial arts and that in casting it is not uncommon for the casting director to say, well, 
do you know martial arts? As though yeah. it's as, as common as being like, hey, what'd you have for breakfast today? Right. Absolutely. Um, it's so, yeah, it's, it has, I think it has a dual nature because if you're going to get into this industry as an Asian American, that is something that has to be on your mind. If you are understanding this as a business, as if you are the business, you have to understand that that is something they're going to ask you. And if you want to be on this path, if you want to be, then hopefully your answer is yes, even Mm -hmm. though you don't know and you fake it till you make it or you say yes and you go take some classes or you just you're honest to yourself and you say no. But the chances of you getting that job is probably a lot less than someone else who does know. And it's so funny because with with MMA blowing up on such a scale that it is in the U.S., sort of like how come white male actors don't get asked that question? Do you know what I mean? Like because MMA is such a huge thing. I feel like I know more white people that practice MMA than Asian people in general. Right. But I guarantee you white males are not being asked. Do you know Kung Fu? Do you know Jiu Jitsu? Male friends, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Unless it's a specific role that, you know, he's an an MMA fighter. Mm -hmm. Then Yeah, most likely. I wonder if MMA is blown up in Asian countries the way it's blown up here. Total side note, but as I'm talking about that, I'm wondering if it's blown up or not. Maybe. Hmm. Maybe a potential new new podcast episode. Question to, to mull over. So uh, getting away from the Kung Fu Fighters, we have what I think is no surprise to anyone, the next stereotype being the geek, the tech whiz. Again, model uh, minority, right? That ties right back into... Absolutely. Yes, we're very geeky. We can be very nerdy. We're very smart on that level. But the fact that that person has to be Asian on television... Or Indian. Let's not leave out Indian, Indian Americans. Asian right. or Indian. In general, it, it becomes kind of a problem. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like... Uh, Asian Americans are often portrayed as technical whizzes or nerds. Um, And this stereotype permeates TV, film, radio ads, and commercials, as the Washington Post pointed out. Uh, The Washington Post said in an article a couple years ago, when Asian Americans appear in advertising, they're typically represented as technological experts, knowledgeable, savvy, perhaps mathematically adept, or intellectually gifted. They are often shown in ads for business-oriented or technical products, smartphones, computers, pharmaceuticals, electronic gear of all kinds. Here's the thing. I think if you are going to be an actor, you have to understand that you have, they love to use this word, you know, you get typecasted. You have a type. A lot of actors have problems with not, Embracing that type, right? Because right. especially if it's born out of portion, especially if it's something more sexual, more of that nature, you don't want to go there if you're not right. that if you're not that person or if you just don't want it. I get it. I think it becomes a problem when that type, when you can't get past that type mm-hmm. and when you are consistently only being cast for that type, when you as an actor say, hey, I have so much more range than this. But then let me play devil's advocate here because the other part of that word is cast. Yes. So I hear what you're saying about type and not wanting to just play within a box to a certain type. But you also want to be cast. Exactly. You also need to pay your bills. You also want to have those credits on your resume. You also want to be on that show. If you're going to be on that show, why not be a nerd on that show? Right? (laughs) 
if that's your only chance. I guess. I guess. I, I Yeah. Be, black people have definitely been there playing the Mamies and the Jezebels and the crack addicted single moms. Like we've definitely gone down that road as well. So I think it is a fight that Asian American actors have to uh, have within themselves. Right. And I think what you, I mean, you guys, like you've been saying, you guys have experienced that and you guys have sort of been able to. Um, and that still happens. Still. For sure. Still. But the fact that a lot of African-American actors have been able to push through that barrier mm-hmm. and say, hey, I'm much more than my crack mom, single mom. Definitely. You know, poor, uh, like, family, then, then Asians have to do the same. And I think because ours is just beginning, mm-hmm. there's a lot of attention on there. And I think that, that it just it's going to take a lot of time and energy and effort. Yeah, and this particular stereotype is a direct direct response to the model minority myth. Yes. When in doubt, make them smart, make them uh, geeks and, and tech whizzes, even if it sort of overshadows our Western world. Because with that, with that stereotype in particular, it definitely makes it seem as though Asian people are way more technologically advanced than our Western world. Yeah, and there's some truth to that because I feel like that's what I mean. That's where stereotypes come from. But I mean, I'm I'm not tech savvy at all. You are not. <laughs> I'm you like are not. I restored my iPhone on accident, and you guys, I didn't even know what restored meant. I went to go plug in my phone, and it said, "Do you want to restore iPhone?" And I went stupidly, "Okay." And I was trying. <laughs> to, I was uploading an audition, and I I lost everything, and I went what the what did I just do I lost everything and then I have a phone who works I have a friend who works for Apple and I went I just restored my phone what does that mean and she like I yeah I'm not tech savvy at all Jackie you're my hero because you're the (laughs) anti-stereotype of every stereotype we have talked about I know and then after I restored my phone I went on to Google and I said what does restore mean on iPhone and then I found out So there you go, guys. Yeah. I mean, I mean, hey, if I got casted in the role and she's super like nerdy and techie, then hey, I'll play it. But. <laughs> Jackie, she's just an analog <laughs> girl in a digital world, you know. Oh, God. <laughs> well, OK, Jackie, then we are then you're like, oh, for three. Right. I think you're about to be oh, for four with this <laughs> next stereotype, which is the constant funny foreigner. Yeah. Hmm. Jackie Chan plays this sort of trope. If he's not doing kung fu, then he's playing and he's this great sort of trope. at it. Oh, he's amazing! He's at amazing! It. He's amazing <laughs> at it. But then when he's not fighting, you hear Chris Rock screaming at him in yeah, English, right. and you hear him repeating what what Chris Tu- Did I say Chris Tucker or Chris Rock? I mean Chris Tucker. Okay. Chris Tucker is in Rush Hour, yeah. not Chris Rock. Um, you hear him like parroting back what Chris. Tucker just said to him right. in very broken yet funny accented English. Absolutely. Which this and I think that this is a stereotype that bothers me the most because mm. you have to remember that uh, people of Asian descent have been living in the U.S. since the 1800s. But yet okay. somehow in TV and film, I'm looking at you breakfast at Tiffany's. Uh, they're mm-hmm. often portrayed right. Don't even get me started. Right? I hate when people talk about how classic of a film that is, and you see like the funny bucktooth yeah. Asian man. No, it's it's just too much. Um, but they're often portrayed as perpetual foreigners, and I think that this stereotype, among over all the other stereotypes, is actually really hurtful because I think that people do believe this, and then treat Asian people regardless of how they speak and where they're from as though they are always a foreigner. Yes. And that is a problem when, you know, 
people a lot of i mean there's been some you know when they say oh, just go back to china and it's like oh. why would they go back to china they've been here for freaking they're from here 50 years there's eight generations right. here why would they go back to china awful and that to me just it's super hurtful mm-hmm. it's mean and it's it's you're not we don't tell you to go back to europe or wherever don't you ever tell me to go back to africa right well i think it's so undercutting it 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 essentially minimizes you and all of your as a person to your nationality yes oh they just they just don't know what you know they just they don't know this culture they don't know this language so therefore whatever is going to come out of their mouth it's just going to be funny and i think working in pasadena uh in a couple of spots around pasadena i've heard more often than i would like to the question of but where are you from like originally and i think that's such an asshole question and I've only seen one girl like step up to a white chick that asked her that question and say, essentially, I'm from here. How long have you been a bitch? Ooh. And I was like, yes, girl, get it. Two snaps for you. Like, Dang. because that's super rude. And no, I know think- it is. I've heard more times than I would like working around and in Pasadena the question of, but where are you from originally? And that's just such an asshole question. And I've only ever seen one Asian girl step to a white girl who asked her that and said, I'm from here. How long have you been a bitch? Oh, and I was like, yes, girl. I should try that one. That you should put that in your back pocket because I remember walking away after eavesdropping that conversation and being like, Yes, what an asshole question, but what yeah. a great comeback. Right. Amazing comeback. Yeah. I mean, I haven't, I don't have cable anymore because I watch, you know, everything's now like the online platform. Because Jackie's so enlightened. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to give my money to the cable companies. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I do see that a little less and less. Oh, great. On TV shows. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, the point the point that you made the fact that it completely undermines you as a person you know as a, as just because you're asian you don't know whatever you say is we're just going to laugh at because of your accent because of your improper use of the language whatever it may be yeah as another to another human being it's just it's really really rude yeah and i also feel like uh when asian actors have to speak an accented american i get that all the time by the way that it's used as like a tool for comedy similar to latinos too when they speak uh accented english it's like a a cheap quick easy joke yes which is terrible yeah i mean well sofia vergara you that accent's not you think that accent's real? The uh, accent, no. yeah, no. She's built a whole career on that accent. I think between and, takes, Sofia Vergara is like, oh, yeah, okay. finally, finally, I can speak. Yeah, oh. you know, and she's built a whole career on it, and it and it works, and right. it makes a movie, and that's why I don't watch that show. Um, <laughs> Jackie's got issues um, with Modern Family, but but yeah, it, it it is that one. That one needs to go. <laughs> yeah, I, and I think that this entire trope totally negates that. Um, no matter where an Asian person calls home, that they're never going to, to quite fit. They're right. always going to be an other. They're never right. going to be part of mainstream. Yes. Always go back home to your hometown, to your China, or to wherever you're from. What a fucked up thing it to is. say. It's so, it's, it's pretty fucked up. It's awful. Um, yeah, and I think uh, where you were born originally, that question, 
when I see it, when I hear it asked of adults, it's it's doubly infuriating because it's it's almost like um, it's super condescending. A, but you're speaking to that person like a, a child. Yeah, like what are you? Yeah, where do you live? Right. What is your address? Right. I, I I get it. They could ask the same exact question if they were like. Where are your parents from? Mm-hmm. Or what's your ethnicity? What's your background? I'm just curious. You know, something a little not so like magnifying the, that you're not from here. Well, I think you have to wonder where that question's coming from. Do you know what I mean? Right. That they're intrigued that I'm Asian. Yeah. They've no. never seen an Asian in front of their face before. And that right. they need to know where I'm from because I'm exotic. Okay. Because for me, when I hear that question, I think that that person's trying to like get on your level. Like, hey, girl, I understand you. But like now that we're friends, where are you really from? Oh. Like it's some sort of dirty little secret that uh, an Asian American person living in the States is trying to withhold. Do you know what I mean? Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see that. I, I mean, I come from like people are usually so like, oh, wow, you're Asian. Ooh, where are you from? Like, okay. I want to know. That's so cool. Versus I don't think I've ever gotten too much of the like the negative side of it, I guess, which I'm grateful for. Okay. But I could just, I mean, I'm, I'm first generation here, so it could be different. Maybe once with my kids, 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 if they ever get that question. Cause I've had, I have friends that are like eighth generation Japanese mm-hmm. and I thought that was fascinating cause I'm a first generation here. Ooh, so it's fascinating. Yeah. But somehow they're, you know, they've always married Japanese people. So he's right. not mixed. He's not anything. He's pure 100% Japanese, but he's completely from, he's from San Francisco. And when I found out he's like eighth generation Japanese, I went, that is awesome. <laughs> You know, so I'm sure when he gets that, it's like, I'm, she's such a sweet guy. He's just from like, oh, yeah, my parents are like, I'm Japanese, but, you know, we're from here. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get all like like that other girl did. But um, <laughs> but it could be different because I'm first generation here. So maybe my ties to my countries are a little closer, a little more dear to my heart where I may be proud to say where I'm from. I don't necessarily see it as like as a as a that I'm not from here because I feel very from here, too. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's just it's it's a it's a lot to take in. Have you ever been asked in an audition to 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 put the accent on, to put a little bit of fobbiness in the way that you speak? Uh, it's usually in the breakdowns already. Oh, okay. Yeah, or if I have voiceover uh, auditions, they will always more than ever in voiceovers ask slight accented, authentic Chinese. Got it. You know, got it. Uh, which Translation makes- fobby. Right. Which, if you don't know, fobby it stands for fresh off the boat. Right. Um, Came from the boat. From wherever. Right, exactly. Not from here. So essentially what they're saying is Just, speak like you are a recent immigrant. Right. Which is really hard because I'm not an immigrant. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, how do I do this? Let me just, I'll go, I usually like listen to my mom speak. Sometimes she's really fobby and I find it adorable. She's not from here. Um, but yeah, it's difficult because I'm not from here. So that's my biggest issue is like, right. how do I sound not from here? And when you have to Even though it, I may look like I'm not from here, like, you know, depending on what they want, they want. Right. Yeah. And even if you have to force it, then it just sounds ridiculous. Then I feel like a fool. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. And then I also feel like you can get into the area of like, well, we want a, a Thai fobbiness right. as opposed to a Chinese <laughs> right. fobbiness as opposed to a Japanese fobbiness. And, and they fobbiness. don't even know. Yeah, I don't know what that is. They don't have the time they don't know. No, for sure. <laughs> but uh, but again, like the, the constant funny foreigner to me is the most enraging one because we can all live in this beautiful melting pot and learn yeah. from each other regardless of how we speak. Right. And I occasionally it is, to be honest, it is hilarious. But I think it depends <laughs> on the way it's, it's being portrayed. Right. You know, there's if there's many, it could do it tastefully, you know? I mean, 
it it's just yeah it's a different 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 t- set of perspectives on it it is definitely but if you are one of those people that likes to ask asian people where are you from originally stop that because you're a fuckhead um, According to Alana. <laughs> there you go. And finally, the one that we're going to talk about, which I think faces African-American actresses a lot, as well as Asian actresses, is the prostitute sex worker trope. That one is huge. This one is huge. This one has ties in, in Japanese history. Yeah, with Japanese take it all the way back women, to World War. During World War II. Yeah. Um, the oversexual, the oversexualization yeah. of Asian women, geishas. I feel so racist even saying that. Like that just feels so racist to me. Um, but yeah, we see Asian women essentially playing sex workers who are willing to debase their bodies for the the pleasure of white men. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was famously, famously executed in Stanley Kubrick's film Full Metal Jacket. Mm-hmm. Where the Vietnamese sex worker says to the U.S. soldiers, me love you long time. Mm. And then that line was then sampled in Me So Horny by the two live crew. Yes. This one enrages me so much. Yeah, it's a it's it's it's. That one is this one is longstanding. And it hasn't gone away. And it comes from I mean, I think of it like survival. You know, women okay. back in like in World War Two, they had to survive. And if they had to use their bodies to survive, they had to do it. Right. Right. But also during the Japanese comfort women uh, uh, stage in World War Two, some women signed up willingly, but a lot didn't. A lot were conned into it. A lot of women were either sold by family members, fathers specifically Crazy. to help with the the household bills to help bring in money for the household. So this one is troubling because it wasn't something that Asian women said, yes, I will totally be your sex worker. It's also seeing in that, in that culture, seeing like just being, seeing women very disposable, you know, and that, and that if you weren't a man, you weren't as important. And that still happens in China. Right. The belief that Asian women are not women, they are bodies, they're vessels for pleasure. Right. And And if they're not uh, using their body for that reason, then, then they're no good. Right. So might as well, you know, send her off, might as well. You know, let's not worry about her, you know, because she's a woman and she'll find her way. She's she can use her body. Yeah. And this one's disgusting, particularly because the we could do a whole episode on the Japanese comfort women. But um, this one is disgusting to me because after the comfort women, I don't want to say period phase period Uh ended. So many Japanese women were sterile, were unable to have kids, have kids. They were unable to do regular everyday practices because their bodies were so mangled and abused from servicing 30 to 50 soldiers a day in unsanitary conditions um, with with very little health STD checks, anything like that. And Um, it still goes on. I mean, in India, especially those brothels in Vietnam and more third world countries, it's it's still happening and it's a, it's a problem and then it you know and then it bleeds into this uh, media world where we are very highly sexualized Hi- constantly yeah, definitely constantly and it begins it becomes a problem if you are trying to take yourself seriously as an actor or want to make a name for yourself in this industry the first thing you do is is just your titties and your ass hanging out i don't i don't know how that's 
is constructive or empowering, you know? Right. And I'm glad that's the exact word I was going to use where it feels like white women are able to be sexually expressive and it's empowering. Yes, they might be called a slut here or there, but there's an ownership of it. Whereas with African-American women and Asian women, it's like you guys are just promiscuous sluts because that's how you are. Yeah, it's not empowering at all. And I don't think the culture helps it. You know, Asian cultures don't talk about sex. We're not very, they, apparently we're not very sexual people. And it's not something that's, you know, shown. But you're totally over-sexed in movies and TV, so which it's is such, so right, crazy It blows me. my mind. So, so how can crazy. you go from such an extreme of let's not talk about it, let's hush-hush, let's not show it on television, and then you go from a complete opposite where we're so highly sexualized and... And, and apparently they enjoy it to a certain degree, you know. That's what the movies tell us. Right. That's what Stanley Kubrick said. What's, what, what's that all about? I don't get it. I don't get it. But this is changing. It is. This is changing. And I think one of the big pioneers for independent Asian American and Pacific Islander filmmakers and actors, shockingly, is YouTube. Yeah. YouTube, I had no idea, was... Like, owned by Asians. I had no clue. Yeah. And also, where it's it's where independent artists feel safe enough to release their material, to yeah. put their independent films, to put their cartoons, to put any Web of their series, projects. all of it. Yeah, I had no clue that YouTube was really at the helm of, of this revolution. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. I think it's great. But I think there's also more film festivals that are are creeping up too all around, um, I would say, the United States, featuring Asian American and Pacific Islander uh, filmmakers and writers, directors. Absolutely. Shout out to my alma mater of Ithaca College. Um, In Ithaca, New York, there is a movement that's happening. It's called Hashtag Only 1% Movement. And it aims to... You laugh, but hey, like, you got to start somewhere. And this movement aims to highlight the lack of Asian American Pacific Islander representation in entertainment. And so as media consumers, what they're really doing is they're putting forth a lot of material uh, by Asian American actors and they're challenging media consumers to advocate for more diversity. That's good. By questioning where their dollars are going, why they're supporting the movies they're supporting and supporting outlets that are either Asian owned or are kind to Asian creators, Mm, which I think is super dope. Yeah. And if you're ever in upstate New York, in Ithaca, uh, in April, you should check out the Ithaca Pan-Asian American Film Festival. Which has been going for a couple of years now, and apparently has gets great reviews. I guess the the films and other projects that are exhibited are warmly reviewed, and then go on to get bigger funding to obviously go on and hopefully permeate to a festival. Yeah, or, our U.S. Or, box office. Right, right, right. That's awesome. So yeah, hashtag only one percent. If that's interesting to you, check it out. Check it out. Um, but through all of this. The, the whole perception of how Asians are viewed in TV and film can change and it can yeah. start with us. It does. Yeah. And it absolutely has to start with us because like I said before, we can't rely on them changing anytime soon or changing at all because maybe they won't and probably won't. Right. So it does, it does start with us and it does start with us empowering each other as women, as artists, as you know, fellow creatives uh, to change this. And I think with time it will definitely, uh, I don't know how long and that doesn't matter, but as I think it's becoming more conscious and more aw- aware to, to our culture and, and us as Asians, especially females. 
Um, and it's very empowering. And I'm super excited to be part of it. For sure. Yeah. And your your nationality doesn't have to dominate the plot of a film. No. If you, you speaking to the Asian American filmmaker, writer, producer, director who's listening to this, it can start with you. It can yeah. start with telling stories that allow Asian and Pacific Islanders to just exist. Absolutely. The way that a white woman or a white man would on TV. You and don't and don't buy into it, you know? It could e- you could easily oh, buy into that. Just don't. <laughs> please don't buy into it. And if you are someone that's listening to this and you're going, "Hmm, I know that's a stereotype. Like I th- I know that's not real." Take a second and actually check in with yourself and and Figure out how much of this you actually believe versus how much of this is you just defending yourself because you think that Jackie and I are sitting here talking about you. We're definitely not. We're just trying to get you woke just and bringing shine a light. it exactly, just bringing it to light, making people aware, making people kind of question that how how much of this actually bleeds through the psychological aspect of it. Mm-hmm. You know that it's something that's something we've learned as ch- children to right. accept and to believe in, and that it's not necessarily true. Right. Most likely not. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think for any uh, creative Asian folk out there, get get your projects written, get them on YouTube, get them, get them on your Insta, yes. get them on your, your Twitter, whatever. There's yeah. definitely an audience that wants to consume oh, huge. this sort of media. Yes. For as much as Jackie hates the show fresh off the boat. I don't hate hit. it. I don't hate it. The show's great. The cast is amazing. It's just, you know, network sitcoms are not my it's not type as authentic. of show. It's not, yeah, and it's not just fresh off the boat. It's others too. But I mean, I, I love, I love the cast. I love the kids. They're amazing, and I'm so grateful that we have an all Asian American cast Yo, on Constance network Wu's television. Dope too. She is she's dope. awesome. Yes, she's amazing, and I'm really excited to see Crazy Rich Asians, and yes. you know, baby steps, baby steps. I want to read Progress. Crazy Rich Asians before I see. You should. You should. I haven't read it yet. I've heard a lot about it, but Ooh. I do want to read it. Um, so I it's exciting. I want to be a crazy rich Asian. You're secretly a crazy lie. rich I think, Asian. I, I, <laughs> in my heart, I think I'm a crazy rich Asian. You, like, let's just be real. You bought, you bought lotus root. I did. And it's delicious Listen. in my minestrone <laughs> soup. You want to talk about cross-cultural cooking? That's it. Right oh, there. Oh, God. You bought lotus root and went home and was like, I'm going to cook this. I don't know how, but I'm going to cook lotus it. Lotus root is delicious. Yo, I figured it out for myself. Okay? I'm so proud of I you. I put an Asian ingredient <laughs> in an in Italian soup, and it was bomb. <laughs> talk about fusion there you go <laughs> <laughs> all right guys, guys for listening thank you i'm alana this is jacqueline thanks so much for listening we'll catch you next time